In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to all of you who are here with us in person and all of you who are watching online. So glad uh, to see each of you this morning. Who's in and who's out? That's kind of the question that seems to be asked by our parable in Matthew 25, but it's also a question we've been asking all week long, isn't it? Who's in and who's out? I wonder when you hear that question, if your mind goes right to Trump and Biden or blue and red, Democrat, Republican. And I would say that if that's where your mind went when you hear me ask that question, it's because that's all we've been thinking about. Right? It's just what's on our minds, what we've been consumed with in the news. In fact, as I read the parable, I mean, excuse me, as Father Trent read the parable, I wonder if you um, found yourself relating personally to one of the sets of bridesmaids, either the ones that, that got left out or the ones who got allowed in. And I just want to say right up front that this is not a parable about politics. It's not. Now, for you, my pastoral policy is going to be to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. But I hope that you appreciate and actually take comfort in the fact that I'm not going to bend this parable to say something it doesn't say. So let's do our best together to put aside the election for a moment. Because actually, the stakes in the parable are much, much higher. They're much higher. Well, since we are towards the end of the liturgical year, we're getting readings from near the end of Jesus' life. And and in fact, uh, in this reading, we are in the last week of Jesus' life. Uh, And in the previous chapter, if you go back and read Matthew 24, you would see that the disciples have asked Jesus, how are we going to know when you're coming back? How are we going to know when you're coming back? And and so Jesus takes that opportunity to, to say a lot about final judgment. When Jesus comes back and takes his own to himself, who's in and who's out? Now, I don't know if you're like me, but when I hear that phrase, final judgment... I mean, I kind of tense up. Um, our, our culture has, uh, has this thing about judgment. It, judgment seems to us to be the very opposite of inclusion, the opposite of acceptance, the opposite of grace. Justice seems to be the opposite of love. All the things that we love about God, right? And we get real irritated if we feel like we're being judged. I've actually read that the main reason who uh, that the main reason why people don't come to church if they don't come to church is be- is not because they don't believe in God or Jesus is because they don't want to feel judged. If someone gets labeled judge- judgmental, right, their social calendar clears up real quick, doesn't it? And so when we think about God as judge, or we think about a final judgment, what happened, and I, I, I can't speak for you, but what, what happens um, for me a lot of times is that we, our minds 
hearts immediately begin to imagine this sort of angry God who loves to condemn, loves to catch you doing wrong, send people to hell. And think about a God of judgment like that. And, and we don't, may not know a lot, but we know that that's not the God we know and the God we love, and so we don't like to think about God like that. The problem is that we don't often take the time to reconcile the, what we love about God, the unconditional love, the grace, the eternal acceptance, to reconcile that with the fact that we have passages like the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Five get in, but five get left out. They're banging on the door, and they don't get let in. So I want to just, before we get to the heart of the parable, um, I want to just offer couple of things to you to consider, chew on, about God's judgment. So first, I want you to remember that the one who is teaching this parable about final judgment is the one who, just about 48 hours later, was going to go to the cross because he loves you. And in fact, he would go to the cross so that we don't have to face what? Judgment. The parable of judgment is giving by the sa- given by the Savior who loved us enough to die for us. So maybe we need to consider that perhaps, at least from God's perspective, that the love of God and the judgment of God are not mutually exclusive. So that's the first thing, that the Lord of love gave us this parable of judgment without ceasing to be the Lord of love. Second point about God's judgment sort of follows this, and that I'll pose it as a question. Could God be loving if he did not judge sin? Now, I don't mean to pick at scabs for you, uh, but all of us have had probably had at one point or another had terrible things happen to us. Um, You've suffered abuse or betrayal or theft or, I mean, you can fill in the blank. Would God appear loving to you if he did not care about those things? There's some sense in which he was not angry on your behalf, that he didn't promise some sort of retribution or some sort of righting of wrongs in the end. Would would you even want to follow a God who just kind of shrugged off things like rape and human trafficking and murder and pedophilia and just said, you know, I'm God, but who am I to judge? I wouldn't want to follow a God like that. If God doesn't have a will to punish what is evil or a will to call a thing what it is, how can we, how can we call him good or loving? And so I just want you to consider that, that part of the active expression of God's love is, in fact, his judgment. He's never unjust in that judgment, and he certainly doesn't delight to condemn, the scriptures testify, but... His judgment of evil is, in fact, a function of his love and goodness. So the problem, then, is not that God is judge. The problem is that we've done things that require his judgment. That brings us back to the parable of the ten bridesmaids. So... This parable might sound a little strange, like we're not quite sure what's going on, but the motif would have been familiar to Jesus' audience. It's a 
um, the backdrop of it is, is a tradition that after a wedding ceremony, the bridesmaids would, would actually lead the groom in this nighttime procession through the streets from the place where the wedding was held to the place where the feast was being held. You can imagine it's, it's you know, beautiful and, and um, traditional and they're carrying lamps because it's nighttime. So they need, they need the oil lamps or a, maybe a, a oil torch or something like that. Well, in this story that Jesus takes from this tradition, and we're not told why, but the bridegroom is delayed. And the bridesmaids, maybe they've been fussing over the bride all, all week, but the bridesmaids get tired and they fall asleep waiting on the bridegroom. When midnight comes, the cry comes, the bridegroom is here. Come meet the bridegroom. The bridegroom's here. And it, this is a side note. The Advent is just the season of Advent, just around the corner, right? That's this is the message of Advent. The bridegroom is here. Come meet the bridegroom. So the bridesmaids hear the cry, they jump up, they get ready, but there's a problem. Because half of them don't have enough oil to get to the party. But presumably they had had enough, but they burned it up waiting for the bridegroom. It was the nerdy belt and suspenders bridesmaids that could all look pretty silly that afternoon carrying around extra jugs of oil. They're the ones to end up having just enough oil to get themselves so the others are out scrambling to find oil de dealers who happen to be open for business at midnight. The bridegroom appears, the procession starts, they get to the feast, the door shuts for good. That's really the pivotal moment in the parable, isn't it? That's the moment that makes us tense up. Final judgment. We, we want to say, hey, God, like, if they were just getting oil. What's the big deal? Some were let in. Some were not. Question. What's the difference? It's a pretty important question. I mean, they were all bridesmaids. They all had oil lamps for the procession. They all fell asleep. So it wasn't the fact that they, some stayed awake and some didn't. They all fell asleep. They all woke up at the midnight cry. The only difference seems to be that some have oil and some do not. So when these unprepared bridesmaids call out to the party from, from outside, we, if you and I were writing this, we, we would have the answer come from a guard or a hall attendant or something like you know one of the caterers and said, no, 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 uh, you should have had enough oil. <laughs> Or, no, 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 you should have been here when the, the bridegroom came. Didn't you, you saw it, it was written clearly on the invitation, the door shut, nobody gets in. Like, but that's not what happens. Surprisingly, the reply does not come from the attendant or the guard, it comes from the bridegroom himself, and he's, he doesn't say any of those things. He says something so unexpected. He says... I do not know you. 
Acceptance into the wedding banquet is dependent upon the bridegroom knowing us. It seems to me that the oil that keeps our lamps burning is the bridegroom knowing us. You can't get into the party unless the bridegroom knows you. No wedding crashers at this party. So I want to just close up by giving you three bits of grace. The quick bites of grace. Hopefully to help to encourage you. Number one, the bridegroom is delayed, but he's coming. Bridegroom's delayed, but he's coming. Now, if you're parsing out the parable, of course, Jesus is the bridegroom. And he's coming. He doesn't know, we don't know when, but we know he's coming. And sometimes, man, we really want him to hurry up. I do. Come, Lord Jesus. I was praying that a lot last week. I don't know about you, but. The reason that he is delayed in his return is so that we have every possible opportunity to know him. To have that relationship with him. To open ourselves to him so that he may know us. So in fact, his delay is his kindness. He wants everybody to know him, to be known by him. And scripture actually says that his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Repentance is just saying, I need you, Lord. Can't, I recognize I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to go running around looking for oil in all the wrong places. I need you. I need to be known by you. The late author and Episcopal priest Robert Capon put it like this when he said, Faith is a relationship with God, and there will inevitably be a point at which he will say, that the relationship does or does not exist. And he will tell us whether we said yes or no. No one will get away with saying maybe forever. His delay is his kindness, and it's not too late, even now. Do you know him? Do you know him? Number two. The oil is sufficient, but it cannot be shared. You've got to have your own oil. You can't say, well, my daddy was a preacher. My grandmama was very religious. I've been to that oil shop every Sunday of my life, whenever the doors were open. You've got to have oil in the lamp. You've got to be known by the bridegroom. I want you to think just how utterly, radically unreligious this is. Because he doesn't say, like, have you been nice? Have you fed the poor? Have you made good choices? Have you done what was right? Have you been a good parent? Have you been a good person? All of those things are super important, but the quali- those aren't the qualifications for getting in. It's not the qualification for getting in is not moral. The qualification for getting in is relational. Does he know us? Is there oil in the lamp? Now, there, of course, is a sense in which having that relationship with Jesus helps us to be nice or to do what's right and feed the poor, etc. You'll get that sermon in two weeks. That Father Trent will preach on that. But if you're like me, and you've got a couple blemishes, maybe more than a couple, blemishes on your record, 
You, you know you've fallen asleep on the job a few times waiting on the bridegroom. You know that it's good news that the qualification for entrance into the heavenly party is entirely relational. You've got to have the oil in your lamp. You've got to have your own oil. And finally, last one, Jesus died and rose again so that you could have that relationship. We just want to say very clearly that there is that somehow this divine judgment, this divine righting of wrongs, big and small, that it has to do with Jesus taking the judgment of God upon himself on the cross. Remember, the problem is not that God is the judge. The problem is that we've done things that require his judgment. But at the cross, Jesus cleared the path. He's taken away the barriers between us and Him. He's absorbed His own judgment in His own love. And that grace, that unmerited favor, that undeserved love, it is ours by faith. It's all just faith. That relationship. And we never know when Jesus is going to return. And God forbid, we don't, we don't know if we get tomorrow. We don't know when we're going to go see Jesus. He's coming or we're going to go see Him. We don't know when. The question this parable asks is, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Do we know Him? Are we known by Him? And I can promise you this. In four years, the, we, the media is going to whip us up into a frenzy again. Four years after that and four years after that. This parable is eternal. That's the question to ask. It's eternal. When the door is finally shut, and it's going to be shut, who's in? And the answer is everyone who knows Jesus. He's the ticket. Five were off meandering around looking for other stuff. The five that got in were with the bridegroom. Do we know him? Church of our Savior exists to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. If you know Jesus, I celebrate that with you. We're, we're here to help you grow in that. But if you don't know Jesus, or you don't know that you know that you know Jesus, let us help. Nothing would thrill my heart more than to have that conversation with you. Same with Father Trent. Call us, email us. Texas, send up smoke signals. We'll be there to talk about this. Because nothing's more important. Do you know him? Who's in? Who's out? Do you know the bridegroom? Amen.